Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Sunday night Bible study on TalkShoe. Good to see you folks there in the chat room, and welcome to all the downloaders as well. How you doing, Brother Jason? Doing well, praise the Lord. Amen, brother. Amen. Well, folks, tonight we're going to be in the sixth part of our review of the first eight chapters of the book of Romans. And um, the previous three chapters we've went over has been kick butt, kicking the teeth, slap upside the head doctrine, all right? But it's reality. And we're going into Romans chapter 7 tonight, and like I was saying before the program started, I made mention you better thank God for Romans chapter 7 because without the personal testimony of the greatest Christian that ever lived, you'd, you'd be, you'd be in, a, in, a, in a world of darkness because of his wording and the way he presented chapter 5 and 6. Because the, the devil's in the details, quote, so to speak. You have to pay close attention in Romans 6 to what Paul says. I tried to, to bring that stuff out, those words that he used. And we're going to go over the, we're gonna, I'm going to let Brother Jason read the, um, about the last six or seven verses in Romans chapter 6, and then we'll go directly into Romans chapter 7. But before we do that, Brother Jason, if you would, go ahead and open us in a word of prayer, Brother. Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, and we thank you for your grace, which is perfect, Lord, and we ask, Lord, that you would bless us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Lead us and guide us. We lift Brother Don up to you in prayer, Lord. We ask that you give him wisdom as he leads us through Romans tonight, Lord. And we also pray for those that might download the program, that you would touch their hearts, Lord, so that they would come to know you 
and understand your will in their lives as well. We ask all these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Brother Jason, uh, whenever I, I ask you to start reading, start in, let's uh, see, verse 14. No, 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 in verse 13. <clears throat> in verse 13, when you get to reading that. But anyway, before we get started in the book of Romans, tomorrow night, folks, we will get into part two of the false security blanket of willful ignorance. And um, Brother David will be with us tomorrow night. We're going to go through quite a bit of scripture. I'm going to make mention probably tomorrow night also about the CERN, C-E-R-N project overseas that takes up two countries, part of two countries, all right? I'm going to just make a few comments and spend just a few minutes talking about actually what's really going on over there, what's being attempted to be done out of the uh, director's own mouth, make some statements about that, and what they're actually trying to do in light of biblical prophecy. So um, that'll be, I'll mention that tomorrow night, and if I was to happen to forget, Brother David, please bring it to my attention, because you know me, I'm I'm so flighty, I'll have so much stuff on my mind, I may completely forget it, but I want to talk about CERN for a little while to begin the program with tomorrow night because, and well, I'm, I'm not, I'll be off on it right now if I don't shut my mouth. But anyway, <clears throat> tomorrow night will be the security blanket of willful ignorance. And as we get started here in Romans, folks, I'm going to reiterate what I previously said. This is kick butt doctrine. The whole Christian life is determined. Your rewards bank on the doctrine taught in Romans chapter 5, 6, and 7. The crucified life, the resurrection walk as it's called out there. It's called the resurrection walk or the crucified life. Nobody hardly, well you're not going to hear it on television unless you hear it from Charles Stanley. I can't think of anybody else that might even spend any time on it, but Brother Charles Stanley will, to you TV watchers, he'll spend some time on it, he's a good man, he's a good man, and uh, that's about all I can think of, that will spend time on the crucified life and the resurrection walk, but if you don't get these chapters, folks, if you don't apply these chapters in your life, suffering loss is coming down the road. How can I say that? How can I be so sure of that? Because that's what the scriptures say. All right? I mean, the Apostle Paul is great about giving you this doctrine and then giving you and and then telling you how wonderful it's going to be with the Lord. In other words, he gives you hope, gives you uh, a reason for hope, a reason to do these things, not only because they're the right thing to do, but it's because you love the Lord Jesus and what's in store for His elect. After going through all these things we're going, through, we've been through in Romans five, six, and seven. When we get to Romans eight, it's, that's one of probably out of the greatest three chapters in the whole Word of God. It probably knocking around number one because it's awesome. After all this stuff he said, 
But you have to understand 5, 6, and 7 to understand the first few verses in Romans 8 before he gets to all the wonderful stuff. You can make every excuse in the world. You can run and hide under any blanket you want to hide under, under any denomination, I don't care, Anglo-Israel, Truth, CI, Baptist, Methodist, it doesn't matter. If you don't get these chapters down and apply them in your life, walk this walk, then you are, you are a Revelation chapter 3 member of the body of Christ. And we were in, we were in that the last um, Monday night at the end of the program. We were going through it. You're the Laodicean church peer. You will be one of the spewed out members, folks. That's part of the suffering laws. The application of these three chapters we've go we're going through the application. I didn't said I didn't say the perfection of them. I didn't say the absolute. You're going to do everything, and we're going to find that out in Romans seven. That's the reason I told you it was such an important chapter. But there has there has to be an onward walk. This this resurrection walk, this crucified walk. There has to be that forward walk. Falling down, that's no biggie. But getting back up and the next step is the biggie. Paul says in Hebrews to run the race with patience that's set before us, laying aside every every sin and every weight that doth so easily beset us. And run that race with patience because it's a long race, three score and ten average, or whenever the rebirth happened in your life and your spirit was regenerated from that birthday forward, that's when that race began. You started it out as a babe in Christ. You walked on, knocked down, got burned, messing with fire as a child. Then you walked on and you got to the young man stage. And you should be, I don't know some of you folks, some of the guests don't know who you are, and the downloaders have no clue, they're too scared to call or don't want anybody to know that they're associated with this program, and there's a lot of them, folks, okay? But you should be in the stage of a young, either an older man or an aged man as far as the steps in the Christian life goes. In other words, that's how far you should be in this race toward the finish line. There's some close to probably 60 or 70 that's just babes. They never grew. Well, they're part of the loss. They'll be, they'll be in the ones that suffer loss. So many people out there think just because they're in the circle that everything's going to be wonderful. Folks, that just is not true. 
for inheritance or reward. And we went over it ad nauseum in Second Timothy chapter 2. No excuse. You listen to this program, there will be no excuse. I recommend you get back under the security blanket <coughs> and shut her down. Don't listen anymore. Unless you just think I'm just spewing a bunch of lies, a bunch of craziness, and I'm all that wrong, even though I'm giving you the pure Word of God. Too much is given, much is required. Okay? There has to be a change. And we'll get into that in a little while. Anyway, go to reading, Brother Jason, in uh, chapter 6, verse 13. I'll let you skim through these verses, and Lord willing, I won't stop you too many times. So here, this will be the <coughs> second time I've been through it, <coughs> third time. Go ahead, Brother. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. Okay, well, I just want to make mention of that. As we get into Romans 7, and I bring up some solution to the problems that he's talking about. Here's, the, here's your clue that I mentioned the other day. Yield yourselves unto God. How did you do that? We'll get into it a little bit. We'll get it into it when we get into Romans chapter 7. Paul's telling you in his words, yield yourself unto God. See, you don't say, here God I am. You done that a long time ago, supposedly. You bowed the knee. You yield yourself unto things of God. Then we're going to get into that in 7. Go ahead, keep reading, brother. And your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Instruments of righteousness. Well, your members, instruments, what do you do it, use an instrument for? You use it to do something with. It's not intellectual, folks. Your members, I, told, I mentioned it the other night, eyes, ears, feet, hands, that's to do something with. Not intellectual. Go ahead. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then shall we sin? Because we are not under the law, but under grace. God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form the doctrine which that was form, That form of doctrine. Form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. Okay. You bit, you were freed from sin, and we'll get into that in, in, in the next chapter, big time. 
and to, to become the servants of righteousness. Are you serving righteousness? You see, you got two masters. You're either going to love one, hate the other, hate one, love the other, period. But you're a servant of righteousness now. That you were the a clean slate, a freak of the course is set before you. The race is ahead. Go ahead, brother. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness and to iniquity, unto iniquity, even so now yield your members' servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. You know, the bad thing about it is there's no shame. Conscience has been seared with a hot iron. The continuation of the, the living the living that life in a dead corpse, running errands for a dead corpse, there should be shame involved. Go ahead, brother. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. They put both those both those masters pay wages. One pays wages, eternal life, and fruit unto holiness. The other master pays the wages of death. <laughs> oh, yes. Next chapter, chapter 7, Romans chapter 7. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth? For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. Okay, but that Paul is using the divorce, the, uh, using divorce and marriage as an illustration or an idiom back to the next chapter talking about those two servants. All right? That's what, that's what he's doing right here. Listen to what he says. He's using the law bound by the law to her husband as long as her husband liveth. But if her husband be dead, it's talking about you being dead and the law. All right, go ahead, brother. He's going to explain it. I'll shut my mouth and let him explain it. Go ahead. But if the law, excuse me, but if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then if, while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from the law. 
so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead. Married to another. You believers, you're married to another, not to the law. (laughs) In other words, the ones that's doing all the lawyering, they're adulterers and adulteresses. They're trying to get married to a dead corpse. You're talking about sickening if you want to carry it out to the bitter end. That's like digging up somebody out of the dirt. Well, I'm not going to go and get more graphic, but that's what it's like. That's what Paul's saying here. Go ahead, brother. That ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sins, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit, unto death but now we are delivered from the law that being dead wherein we were held that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter i don't see how much how, i can't add to that that's so plain it's like a beautiful clean glass window looking through it that's as clear as it could possibly get Beautifully clear. People can fumble around with it all they want to. It's as clear as crystal. Verse 7, brother. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law he had said. Thou shalt not covet. And the law was doing what it was put here to do, to bring us to Christ, a schoolmaster. And that's what Paul is saying here. It showed him he was a sinner. All right? Verse 8, brother. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. For without the law, sin was dead. For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. Paul is talking about in a period of time. It's called, they've been named the age of accountability. What it is in a child's life before they realize they're not held accountable for what they do until the commandment comes and they realize in their conscience they're doing wrong. There's no specific age for this. There, it, it, it's, I think it's different in different individuals. I remember a long, long time ago you heard this 12-year-old thing because that was usually when puberty started. I don't really think there's anything to that. It might, might be. I don't know. But I don't think so. Because I know in today's lustful, sexually oriented society, people, you've got kids 
today that's coming to that knowledge a lot sooner than any 12 years old. But anyway, it was, it's called the age of accountability. Paul was alive, all right, without the law once. In other words, he during the younger part of his life. But when his conscience bothered him and the law came, when he realized he was a sinner, he was accountable for it. Too much is given, much is required, all right? That's a real security blanket, that young age there, that, that period of time when he was alive. But then the letter came, and he died. Verse 10, brother. And the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment, holy, and just, and good. Amen. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. The law is doing its job when it, when it, when it, um, what's that word I'm trying to find in my mind? When it expounds sin to the uttermost. In other words, the law is just, it, it, when it magnifies sin, that is, it, so it's exceeding sinful. The law is do, it does its job. That's what it's for. It's holy, just, and good in the position that it was here for. It was never given for righteousness. Never. Because only one could do the righteousness of the law. That was Jesus Christ. Verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual. But I am carnal, sold under sin. Sin. You notice Paul is using the word sin, sin, sin. You hadn't seen sins Plural, yet have you. No. Because he's dealing with sin in our members. It's there. It's in the genetic code. The law turns that gene on. When a person comes to the knowledge of that, that gene is turned on. I'm just using terms you might can wrap your mind around, folks, okay? Because it's in every swinging soul that breathes. Sin is. The law triggers the gene, triggers the sin, that it might be exceeding sinful. That's the job of the law. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal soul under sin. And then he said, I am, not was. You got it? I am, not was. Verse 15, brother. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, 
that do I. The first, this is the first, this is the first inkling semblance of the two natures, the schizophrenic Christian life. This is the first inkling of it right here. We've got somebody here that according to the, the righteousness that was in the law, he tells you when he's giving his testimony, he was blameless. Verse 16, brother. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. In other words, when he screws up, it's just telling you that the law is fulfilling what it was put here to do. I consent to the law that it is good. Verse 17, brother. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know Whoa, no, that... no, 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 no. Don't go for... Don't, don't, don't leave that verse. Now, it is no more I that do it. Well, who is it, Paul? Is it um, Caiaphas? Is it... Um, who is it? Gamaliel that's doing this? He says, it's no more I that doeth it. Who's he talking about? What's he talking about? What is it? What, what, who's doing this? He says it's no more the I that doeth it. It is sin that dwelleth in me. Not sins that he did with his members and his hands. And his mouth. It was sin that dwells in him. And in every swinging soul that draws breath. Not sins, but sin. It's the sin problem. That's where every swinging soul that I've ever heard, and if you know, if you know of one that, is, that's teaching that it teaches this right here, just exactly like the Bible tells you it says. I'd like to know who it is. I ain't never heard one out there. I'm talking about in the quote unquote Corinthian identity. All right. No, no, no. You talking about heresy and blasphemy? That's the crap that comes out of ninety nine point nine percent of their mouth. Calling it doctrine when it's horse dung. It's sin that dwelleth in him and me and you. That's the problem. Not sins you do. Well, I didn't do bad today. Well, I didn't do this. No, no, no. You've got sin in you. That is so important to understand, and we'll get to that in just a second. Verse 18, brother. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. Bingo. That flesh, in your flesh, where the sin dwells, and that material stuff, in that genetic code, in that flesh dwelleth no good thing. 
because it's sin that dwelleth in there. It's corruptible. It's corruptible man. It's corruption. And in the natural, continue reading, brother. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. What a conundrum. Split personality. You got a problem here. What's, there's got to be a solution, surely. There's a problem here. Verse 19, brother. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Wow. Wow. The greatest Christian that ever lived. Three quarters of the New Testament. Pattern of salvation for you and I. Everything. Telling you his humanity. Showing you something that, like I said, you better thank God this chapter is in the Word. Because you'd be done, you'd be give up a long time ago if you have really been regenerated. Because if there's no if there's no regeneration, you don't understand what he's talking about. You don't have a clue. And he'll flat come out and tell you exactly what I just told you whenever you get to chapter 8. If you don't hate the bad stuff you do, Houston, there's a problem. If you're not actively using that bar of soap, of 1 John chapter 1, Houston, there is a big problem. Forgetting, continual forgetting is no, that just shows the conscience is seared. Verse 20, brother. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. How much plainer could you get? He's a saved individual, a regenerated individual, still has sin dwelling in him. Of course, it's in that, it's in that dead corpse, but it still operates because you're stuck in that dead corpse. It's the sin that does it. The regenerated person doesn't. They're sorrowful. They're ashamed. Next verse, brother. And we're fixing to get off, and I'm going to explain that. I'm going to explain it all, give you the scripture, show you once, finally, and forever. Any questions about it whatsoever needs to be asked now or forever hold your peace. We're going to go through it one more time from the Old Testament to the New, and I'll explain this schizophrenic Christian life. And you'll notice as I explain it, 
and we go through the scriptures and let the I should say let the scriptures explain it. As we do that, you're going to see if you listen to any of the BS and false teaching out there, you're going to see the problems start coming up. How they are so deadly wrong. I said deadly wrong. Verse 21, brother. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Verse 22, and here we will depart. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. Now, okay, here we go. The inward man. What in the world is he talking about, the inward man? Some of the, I'm not even going to say well-meaning. Some of the ignorant fools, I like that better. We'll tell, oh, this is just an idiom, and Paul's just talking about soil. He's talking about an inward man. That's what he's talking about. Because <laughs> that's what he said. There's no allegory. There's no allegory here. There's no metaphor here. It's not used just one time pulled out of thin air. It's used over and over again. A contrast between the outward man, which is dead if you're regenerated, and the inward man. This is the battle. Because you are a trichotomy, not a dichotomy. Here presents the problem for the idiots. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. The inward man has to be regenerated. That's the soul and the spirit. A dead spirit could care less. It's the regenerated, the regeneration of that spirit that was given in Genesis. That's alive like alive again from the dead. That's fresh. That's new. That don't want no part of that wickedness. Don't want no part of that death. That smell of death. You folks know how a, how a funeral home smells, has got that death smell. That inward man, the soul and spirit, don't want no part of that. It's, it's, it's wicked smell. You, it's sickening. But if you stayed in that funeral home for any length of time and worked it, you know what? You, would even, you wouldn't even know the smell was there. You'd get so accustomed to it. That's the way we get with sin in our life, folks. After we regenerated. To start with, it's like losing your first love that I've screamed about for so long. Once you start letting this slide and letting that slide and letting and making excuses for this and making excuses for that, it's just so easy then to make an excuse for anything else. And just like the old funeral home smell, you won't even realize it's around. You'll just automatically ploop, make an excuse. Now I'm going to explain 
what's so different about this inward man, outward man, the difference in the old, under the old covenant and the new covenant. All right? In the old covenant, every, all of our, all, everything back from the, from the resurrection backwards, the soul was stuck to the body. If the, if the man, if the flesh sinned, the soul sinned. They were talked of synonymously throughout the Old Testament. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. You find soul and body mentioned in the same verse. And you would have some idiots try to tell you that there's no such thing but the body and the spirit. Dichotomy. You're talking about heresy. You're talking about stupidity. Turn to Numbers chapter 19, brother, and read verse 13. We'll go through a few of those Old Testament verses, and I'll show you what I'm talking about. Folks, if you haven't got this pad in your brain, you need to take a pencil and paper and write this stuff down. Okay? So you can understand it. The difference between preservation in the Old Testament and preservation or salvation after the resurrection. You need to get this, folks. You need to get it. When you get there, Brother Jason, go ahead and read Numbers 19, verse 13. Listen to the wording, folks. Hope you've turned there and read it yourself. Go ahead. Whosoever toucheth the dead body of any man that is dead and purifieth not himself, defileth the tabernacle of the Lord, and that soul shall be cut off from Israel, because the water of separation was not sprinkled upon him, he shall be unclean. His uncleanness is yet upon him. You see how water, sprinkling of water, is that, that baptismal regeneration is kind of hinted at there in the Old Testament, folks? See there? Turn to Ezekiel chapter 18 and read verse 4, brother. Behold, all souls are mine, as the soul of the Father, small f, so also the soul of the Son, small s, is mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Stuck to the body. Every time the body, just read in Numbers 19, the man screwed up, the soul screwed up. Read chapter 20, um, brother, Ezekiel chapter 20. 
verse 20, excuse me, chapter 18, verse 20. I think that's it. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 20. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. Micah Micah chapter 6, verse 7, brother. These are just three little references, folks. It's all through the Old Testament. Everywhere you turn, the soul and the body are synonymous because they're stuck together. That's what leads the heresy of it being one thing, see. It's a half-truth. It was that way in the Old Testament because the soul was synonymous with the body. Micah chapter 6, verse 7, brother. Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression the fruit of my body? Body? For the, for the sin of my soul? Bingo! They're together. They're stuck together. That's why when a person died in under the old covenant, they went to Abraham's bosom. They did not go to be with the father. The soul went to Abraham's bosom. You see how teaching the dichotomy, teaching all... See, you see how false it is, folks? They would, ha- they, they would have you believe some cock and bull allegorical crap because if they stick to that way of thinking, they have to, they have to do away with Abraham's bosom. You see, why that telling one lie makes you tell another lie makes you tell another lie. You have to keep on lying, folks. They have to keep on lying to uphold the big lie. People that died from the resurrection backwards went to Abraham's bosom or to hell. Period. Got a whole... Luke 16 tells you all about it. And it ain't no stinking parable. It ain't allegory. And the reason they think that is because you come through all the books in the Old Testament and it sounds, but the soul that sins, this shall die. Well, what do you, what do you mean soul sins? It's talking about the body. Of course it is, because they're stuck together. Let's watch it change. Let's watch it change. All right, Let, let's see the, the clarity as we get into the New Covenant. Matthew chapter 10 
and read verse 28, brother. Two, and this, hey, coming out of your Savior's mouth. You, you Just listen to what he says. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. Two separate things. See what I mean? Continue reading, brother. But rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul, and body in hell. There you go. Two different things. Not the Spirit. It didn't talk about the Spirit because the Spirit tells you in Ecclesiastes go back, goes back to God who gave it. See? Scripture was Scripture, folks. The Spirit of a beast goes downward, but the Spirit of a man when he dies goes back to God who gave it. See? <laughs> now let's see the, the, the polysendenton that, that absolutely nails it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, brother. The same man that wrote Romans 7. And whenever you see and, 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 that's called a polysendenton. That means, guys, this is important. All right? 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit one, and soul one, two, and body three. be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. See there, folks? One, two, three. One, two, three. There's a difference, folks. Now turn to Titus, chapter 3, and read verse 5. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Bingo. All right. Now turn to Colossians chapter 2. And let's read, let's see what takes place. You've heard me, you've heard, we've read this before, and you've heard me rush over it. This is called the this is the circumcision made without hands. Other places in the New Testament it talks about circumcision of the heart in the earlier part of the book, of this book of Romans. Watch close what this circumcision does. Remember, body, soul, and spirit. Three parts. Read Colossians chapter 2, verses, um, let me see. Hmm. I think it's chapter 8 through 12. I think that's it, brother. 
Beware, lest chapter any ten, man... uh, verse ten through twelve, brother. Colossians two, yeah. two ten through twelve. And ye are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. That's Colossians it... chapter two, verse ten. Colossians chapter two, verse ten. Okay, go ahead. In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the... Stop, 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 stop. You see there? The circumcision made without hands. You see, the first circumcision was given to Abraham. That was a type for what was to come. This spiritual thing, the spiritual circumcision, that outward circumcision in the Old Testament availed nothing. It was a sign, Paul tells you in 1 Corinthians. It was a sign for what was coming later. This is what came later, what you're reading right here. Putting off the body of the sins of the flesh. That's what it does. Circumcision cuts loose something. What is it cutting loose? It's cutting loose the body, the outward man, the old man, from the inward man, which is the soul. The Old Testament, the Old Covenant, there was no such animal. That's the reason they went to a different place. In the new covenant, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Totally different. Totally, totally different. Continue reading. Read verse 10 again and go on through verse 12. It's called, this is called the operation of God, folks. This is what makes it, and when we, when, I'm going to prove this to you beyond any shadow of a doubt, that inward man, with, that soul, that inward man cannot, it will never sin again after the bodies of the sins of the flesh are put aside by the operation of God, the spiritual circumcision done by the Holy Spirit of God. Read verse 10 through 12, brother. Watch the word, and, folks. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised, with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God. Bingo. What does this operation do for us under the new covenant? The elect, what does it do for us? Turn to 1 John chapter 3, brother. What does it do for that seed in us, that soul, that inward man that Paul talks about, that new man that Paul talks about, that new creature in Christ? We're going to get to that in a little bit, too. 
First John chapter 3, and read verse 9, brother. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. That inward man that's drug around by a dead corpse that thinks it's alive, that has so much influence over you, can never sin again. Or else Christ would have to run back and get on the cross again and die for you elect. There's no yeah buts or whatabouts to it. Read that verse one more time, brother. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin. Read because because he's what? Born of God. Okay, turn quickly to 1 Peter chapter 1 and read verse 23. Being born again, not being, being, of, being what? Being what? Born again. That's right. Born of God. Go ahead. Not of corruptible seed. There's your seed. Of, See, there's your seed that it talked about in John. Just thought I would uh, kick the old man in the teeth that teaches you a lie about that. Go ahead, brother. Not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Thank you, brother. Thank you. (laughs) See, I know the lie that's taught out there, folks. I have to know it because some of the siblings run around listening to everybody, okay? There's your seed. That's the seed of 1 John that cannot sin because his seed remains in him. It cannot sin because he's born of God. Now, the coup de grace, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Watch the next whereby, part. Whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Bingo! That's, folks, listen, listen. That is scripture. That's a subject, okay? This, I'm, I'm trying to teach you folks, okay? That is a subject. A precept, all right? Isaiah 28. And I took you line upon line line upon line, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. All right? That's the subject of the inward man. That's the subject of a New Testament, New Covenant elect that is sealed to the day of redemption. That's how it's done. See, I could just tell you it was done, and my opinion would be just like anybody else's. Everybody's got an opinion. But I didn't just give you my opinion. 
I took you in the Scripture and showed you. That's why now to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And that's why in the Old Covenant, before the Holy Spirit came down and indwelt us and baptized us into Christ Jesus, for by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. Until that took place, they went to Abraham's bosom. Luke 16 tells you all about it. In Matthew chapter 28, after the resurrection, some of the souls that were down there came up and walked around in the streets of Jerusalem showing you that they were not in heaven, but they were underneath the earth. They came up. It tells you that in Matthew 28 verse 27. We done went over it. Now, is that Brother Don's opinion or is that the Scripture telling you the truth? Do you believe the book? Nobody in the Old Covenant, when they died, went to be with the Lord. Nobody. Some of them didn't die and went to be with the Lord. Enoch and Elijah But everybody, every other swinging so turned out to Psalms chapter 51 while I'm talking, brother. Every other swinging soul went to Abraham's bosom. That's lead, he led captivity captive. Where do you think they were captive at? Oh, that's just now going It is, huh? Tells you he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto the men. Unto men. Here instead, it was still left here. Gave gifts unto men. Peter tells you he went and preached to those spirits that were in prison. What prison? <laughs> They'll lie to you, folks. They'll lie to you. They do not know the book. All they know is what the agenda they want to push forth. Psalms chapter 51, go down there to where David is talking about, um, oh, I forget what verse it's at. Psalms 51, I think it may be verse 8. For, and he's talking about, you see, the Holy Spirit would come in the Old Testament, folks. The Holy Spirit would come in to somebody and then lead them. It came on Saul. It left Saul. It came back on Saul when David would play his music, and it would leave. All right? It don't leave us. It's here forever. And we're sealed to the day of redemption. David knew this. Read down there where he's praying, asking the Lord to forgive him, brother, and read that whole little section. I think it's verse 8. Not sure. Just start in verse 1 and read till you get to it, brother. Okay. To the chief musician, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came unto him, after he had gone into Bathsheba, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. 
for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou dearest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be with whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. Watch it, folks. Watch it, folks. Go ahead. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Bingo. Bingo. See there? David knew that the Holy Spirit could be taken away from him because he was taken away from Saul. It did not indwell us permanently. It did not indwell our people permanently. Creating him a new spirit. He knew he had messed up. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. The elect in the new covenant, ain't, there's no taking nothing away, Holy Spirit, from you because you're sealed until the day of redemption. Because the inward man cannot sin because it's born of God. It cannot sin. It don't sin. Neither can it sin because it's born of God. It's shielded by that Holy Spirit which is in you forever. If you're the elect of God, if so be that Spirit's been regenerated and that operation of God has taken place and that circumcision made without hands has taken place. They'll lie to you, folks. They'll lie to you. That's that peace of God that passeth all understanding. While all the hell is breaking loose, while the tears flow, when you're screwing up, and you will screw up, Paul just told you he did. going to tell you again as we continue on. In the flesh, that love you've... you've You've messed up when you've messed up. Always remember, you elect of God, that you're sealed to the day of redemption. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God that justifies. For I am persuaded, neither height nor death. I'll wait till we get over there and then we'll go through some of that stuff. All right? And write that great chapter of Romans chapter 8. The answer is nothing can separate that soul, us, the inward man, the real you. Not that old sin and dead corpse. 
But that dead corpse can cause you all kind of world to hurt. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Back to Romans chapter 7, brother. Verse 22, verse 22. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind. See there? See there? He's rejoicing in the law of God after the inward man, the one that can never sin again. But I see another law in my members, that dead corpse, that old man, Warring against the law of my mind, that inner man, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Now watch, watch him, verse 24. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? The body of this death. That's not what I've been screaming about for the last three chapters, this old dead corpse. The body of this death. Now watch verse 25. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind... I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Two different, two different dogs. Two different dogs, folks. The schizophrenic Christian life. You don't understand this, you'll never have victory. You don't understand this, you'll be doubting yourself. When you screw up, you'll be doubting whether you're the Spirit of God's even in you. But we're going to find out about some of the evidences of that new man, that inward man being sealed. We'll find out, we'll, we'll look at some of the evidences of it. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, brother. I want you to start at verse 16. I want you to watch this. I'll I'll preface y'all while he's turning there. I want you to watch how Paul talks, what he's talking about. How he'll give you all this wonderful hope. And talk about eternal things. And then we're going to go from 4, verse 16. And I want you to read that, brother. And then I want you to go immediately to chapter 5, because it's a continuation. Shouldn't no, chap, no chapter heading there. Just forget it. It's even there, because I want you to go from 416, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> right into chapter 5, and we'll go down through there to verse 17. And I will okay. stop you as we go along there. <coughs> Second hmm. Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. For which cause we faint not, but through our outward man perish. No, though our outward man perish, the wages of sin is death. Okay? Go ahead, brother. 
Yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Bingo! There's your pure contrast between the old man, the outward man, and the inward man. Oh, I'm going Yeah, uh-huh. They'll lie to you, folks. They'll lie to you. They don't have a clue themselves, but they're still lying because they're led by an unclean spirit. That they don't know the book. For which cause we think not. <clears throat> this is the reason you shouldn't faint. This is the reason you, that you should run with patience. That race set before you. But though our outward man perish, we just spent a whole chapter talking about both of them, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. By what? The Spirit of God. You're sealed to the day of redemption. Verse 17, brother, and continue reading. For our, light for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in, th for in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so... Be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened. Not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought us for this same thing is God who also hath given unto us the earnest of the spirit that's a down payment go ahead therefore we are always confident knowing that whilst we are at home in the body we are absent from the Lord for we walk by faith not by sight we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with our Lord. Wherefore, we labor that, whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. Now, watch verse 10. This is what we've been talking about, folks. This is what I keep bringing to your attention. I brought it to your attention the other night, Friday night. Verse 10, brother. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he has done. Okay. Whether See, then that old dead body, whichever, I'm, I'll, I'll get to some solutions in a little bit, in just a few minutes. But these things done in the body. How could you be held accountable if that old body is dead 
for what you do with it. See, those, those thoughts run through your mind? We'll get to that shortly. Go ahead, brother. Whether it be good or bad, knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. That terror, we, uh, that terror of the Lord. I thought it's just going to be glorious and wonderful with all those inheritance and reward. Is that right? Therefore, knowing the terror, look it up in the Greek, all right? We persuade men. Go ahead, brother. Does this make us terrorists, Brother Don? Huh? Yeah, that makes us terrorists. Go ahead, brother. <laughs> okay. We persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your conscience, consciences. For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that ye may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God. Or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. Watch, watch so what's coming up, folks. You want a solution? I'm thinking Paul's going to give you one. He's going to give you one. Watch it close. Go ahead. For the love of Christ constraineth us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. Then we're all dead. Yep, that reckon yourselves dead. We went through it in we went through it in chapter six. Reckon yourselves dead unto sin, but alive unto Christ. Go ahead. And that he died for all that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves. Stop right there. Stop right there. I couldn't put it in any better words. You want fruits? You'll know the tree by the fruit it bears. Then what? In the world, do you serve yourself for all the time? This is true love of Jesus Christ, folks. Paul's fixing to tell you. He just said, the love of Christ constraineth us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then are all dead. And that he died for all that they, that they which live should know not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them. How do you do that? My God, I talked about it the other night. One thing. Living to themselves. 
but unto him which died for them and rose again. See, that's that you live unto Christ. Well, I live unto him. See, in your mind you do, huh? Remember, yield your members unto righteousness to God. Remember what I made a big deal about a while ago? Said Paul was trying to tell you something. Let me tell you about those that those two men, that outward man and that inward man. I'm gonna tell you this is how it is. Best illustration, I've given this illustration before quite a few folks. I've even told y'all about it, I think, or if you was with me then, I've mentioned it before, probably a couple of times. This will make the third time. Those two men are like two dogs. That outward man and that inward man. That inward man's a white dog. That outward man's dead. He's a black dog. And they're both chained. And you, they have to be fed. All right? You feed the black dog more than the white dog. The white dog gets weak, and the black dog beats the hell out of him every time they fight. You feed the white dog, which is the inward man, all the time. Then when the fight comes, he beats the hell out of the black dog. Feeding the white dog is walking in the spirit. Feeding the black dog is walking in the flesh. You feed them both the same, you got one hell of a battle. And that's what a lot of folks and some of you have trouble because you feed them the same. And most of you feed the black dog more than you do the white dog. There ain't no excuse, folks. Ain't no excuse. Why do you think I was talking about? Why do you say? Why do you think I mentioned the other night about playing the Word of God over and over and over? That's feeding the white dog. Why do you think I made the reference to music like I did? That's feeding the black dog. Hey, this is absolutely fact. You feed one or the other. See, if you're living under Christ, you don't live unto yourself anymore. You live for the one that died for you. You're, he bought you with a price. You're a bond slave. Do you act like it? Which dog do you feed? Oh, I read the Bible. I read a chapter last week. Mm-hmm. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Bread. Feed the dog. Whichever dog you feed, that's the dog that wins the battle when the battles come. Whichever one's fed the most gets the biggest muscles and gets stronger. You try to compromise and feed them the same, you just got one hell of a bloody battle, period. No victor. 
Turn to Galatians 5. Jason. Start reading, verse 20, start reading at verse 22 and read to the end of the read down to um, verse 26. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law, and they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. Read that verse we again. Live, Read that verse again. And they that are Christ's... Oh, okay, stop. Have, uh, stop. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh. With the affections and lust. Crucifying the flesh is killing the black dog, folks. Is not feeding the black dog. Think I'm making it up? Verse 25. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. Spiritual things. Yield your members unto Christ. Why? Because if He died for you, you should henceforth no more live unto yourself, but unto Him. Folks, you can make all the excuses and justifications all you want to. Some of them may be legit. The Father knows. But see, we have a bad habit of deceiving our own self. We get into justifying business. We get to be pros at it. You know that? We get to be professional justifiers to where our conscience is so seared that when we justify our own sin. We don't even feel ashamed. How much time have you spent? Have you been? Have you been even visited the nursing home lately? Hmm? Those people can't do anything for themselves. They love to just see somebody. Tried it lately. Well, I hurt too bad, or I've got every excuse in the world. I imagine the Lord hurt pretty bad too, don't you? That He died for us, henceforth we should no longer live unto ourselves. Yield your members unto God. Or yield your members unto the flesh, unto unrighteousness. I went through it the other night. Unlist, 
Don't even go about the law. Sins, transgression, law. See, that's where the justifiers run to. That's where the justifiers run to that's got a filthy mouth that love the old dollar bill more than they love the Lord. Folks, you can, I can just run down the list and back every bit of it up with 20 or 30 verses of Scripture. And you don't want to know the book because you're afraid you'll be accountable for it. You want to know things about the book, see? So you can find a subject you can hang on that don't burn you up, that don't convict you. This book knows all about you, folks, and tells it. And that's what you don't like about some parts of this book. To him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. James 4.17 Written to the twelve tribes scattered abroad. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity with God? For whomsoever will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. You know, but I just check out the world. I just, I don't let it bother me none. I, I can handle it. Yep. This reminds me of the alcoholic that says he can handle his liquor too. And staggering all over the place puking. One drink never hurt. And on top of the flesh kicking you in the teeth, your warfare is also spiritual against principalities and powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And yes, some of you folks don't even have a clue what to look for. Because you can't feel it, touch it, see it, or taste it. And can't see it working in other people around you having an effect on you. Turn to 1 John, brother, chapter 4. First one. Beloved, believe believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And That's a, spirit, that verse is a little ambiguous because you got uh, you got some of the most damnable cults out there and especially some of the most damnable heresies being taught on this Internet. Oh, they'll confess that Jesus Christ is coming to flesh. So it gets a little deeper than that. 
You know how you test them? You test them with the book. You test them with the book. See, if you know the book, you can. But if you cut, you got a if you got a, a sharp knife and you're cutting it all to pieces, you ain't got nothing to test with. You're just as lost as a hain in hell when it comes, when it comes to knowing when you're being told the truth and when you're not. And the ones that are tearing the book up, rest assured, they have an agenda. They have an agenda, folks. I've, I've been telling you that for two years. They either got a pet truth, a pet false doctrine they want to teach, or they're deceived. One of the two. And more than likely, nine times out of ten, it's a pet doctrine. And I ain't changed the book for none of y'all. For nothing. Ain't going to. The only mention I even made of a word was one time in Deuteronomy 32. And the context clearly dictates what it's talking about. And common sense dictates. That's the only time I've ever even made mention of anything. How is it that I don't have to change the book and teach you the truth and they have to change it and teach you a lie? Why didn't I have to change the book to understand the Anglo-Israel truth? And they all do. What is it? What is it? What's the difference? Why didn't they, what don't they talk to you about righteous living, how to do it, the, the instruments to use? Why? Do you ever ask yourself those questions? But you don't care. Some of you don't care. All you care is about numero uno, what you like and what you don't like. We'll see what you like and what you don't like when the terror of the Lord comes flogging in on your head, just like he's going to flog in on my head. All right. Because there won't be no excuses then. Well, they all told me that the Greek said this. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Folks, you need to think, and you seriously, you need to think eternally. You need to think past your last breath. Mentioned it to a brother this morning. I'm always mentioning that because that's what's important. That's what matters, my God, that's what matters. Your life is but a vapor, which appeareth for a while, then vanisheth away. It's what comes after that last breath that matters. Eternity is a long time. Eternal rewards last for an eternity. Internal inheritance lasts for an eternity. Then why shouldn't you be in bed? Why don't? Why aren't you being prepared for that? That's what I'm trying to do. 
Whether you make $100,000 in the next two weeks don't mean a hill of beans when it comes to your last breath. Whether somebody talks bad about you and you lose 30 friends matters not when you take your last breath before it, because you will give an account of yourself to God, not for them, not for me, for yourself. For we all must stand before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account of ourselves what's done in the body. The body is the big member with the hand, all that member stuff. Well, I don't want to listen to that Bible all the time. That's the only thing that's going to, the Spirit of God working through that, this book is the only thing that's going to steer you in the right way. Because if it don't, if it doesn't, if that spirit doesn't line up with this book, it's a lying spirit. The fruits and the history all bear it out. The book dictates whether the Spirit is telling you the truth. The Spirit does not contradict the book. The counterfeit Spirit is... See, there is no... Satan, that Lucifer doesn't, Satan, whatever you want to call him, puffing stuff, does not have a book. He has to make you doubt God's book. You've got two things in the mouth of two witnesses. Let every word be established in the Spirit in the book. The book in the Spirit, the Spirit takes the book and works in you. Without it in you, it can't work. It will not work outside of this book. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. He magnifies his word above his very name. So if you want to be 50 million steps ahead of the next idiot, out there, learn the book. Feed on the book. More and more. Have you picked up an extra two or three pages yesterday? Will you do it tomorrow? Will you make the attempt? Or will you wind up like the ones spit out? Turn to Revelation chapter 3 and we'll close here for tonight.
Verse 1, brother? Verse 15. 15. No, just start at verse 14. 14. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. In other words, they're feeding the black dog and the white dog. They're lukewarm. See, if if you're cold, the Lord can beat the hell out of you and get you back right, folks. That's the reason he says, I wish you were hot or cold. You know, extremes, both ways. Because he can beat the crap out of you and get you back on the right path. But if you look warm, you've self-deceived yourself into thinking you're okay. Then you get the consequences of it. Go ahead, brother. Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that thy and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. That's good, brother. That's good. Folks, the reason you hear some of this stuff over and over again is because you need to hear it over and over again. I need to hear it over and over again. Folks, I, I really, you want me to be honest with you about something? Well, I'm going to try to be always honest. I am always honest with you when it comes to this book and stuff. I wish we did a program every night. Because you know what? I know that if I'm doing what the Lord wants me to do as much as I can, then I ain't got time to screw up. See? That's more the, that's the white dog stuff. Paul says, make no provisions for the flesh that you fulfill the lust thereof. It's like that temptation door. God gives you a way out. The problem is you won't take it. I won't take it sometimes. We all fall short. Folks, listen. Listen. The greatest Christian that ever lived, you saw the problems he had. We all have those problems. If the motive's right and you're still one foot in front of the other running that race, you're fine. 
But if you're making excuses, if you come, yeah, buts, and yeah, buts, what about the Greek? What about this? You're wicked as hell. Because it's not what you don't understand about this book that eats your lunch. It's what you do understand and don't do. That's what cooks your goose and my goose. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together tonight, Lord. I pray, God, that you give a double dose of your Holy Spirit, Father. Encourage in all of our hearts, Lord, to want to do more for you, to yield our members more and more unto you, Father, by the Spirit, through your Word. I pray that you'd reveal anything to us that's unclean in our life, Father, Anything that may be contrary to you, Lord, we want to get rid of it, get confess it, get it under the blood, and get back in that race, Father. I pray this for each and every one. There in the chat room, every single downloader. That we not get to the point to where we're jaded, to where our conscience is seared, to where we don't understand the shame of something wrong in our life. So never let any of us get to that point, Father. Beat us, chasten us, scourge us, Lord. That way we know you love us. Give us the strength, the unction, and the love to want to serve you and do more for you because there's double reward for it, not only in this life, which we're now in, but also in that which is to come. We ask all these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For it's for his sake alone that we ask these things. Amen and amen. John Spears Ministries, 3155 Louisville Street, D1, Clio, Alabama, 36017, telephone 334-397-2333, email joydon1953 at yahoo.com.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.